evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. show tonight we've got Mr Rick Hyatt, we've got Hilda, we've got Tom White and I'm here especially for CR7. Do you like the new music? Well, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Uh, welcome to our guest tonight. We're a little bit thin on the ground, but Hilda's here. Hello, Hilda. Hello. And Rick's here. Hello, Rick. Hello. And I'm here. Hello. So, uh, Tom White's caught in traffic and hopefully going to catch up with us later. So we might as well hit on, mightn't we, boys? Oh, yeah. Looking looking forward to see how uh, how much we can get out of Manchester United's win this weekend. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start... With the very sad loss of Jimmy Greaves. Um, here, now, here. Now, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to start with a question, right? What was I doing on Christmas Eve, 1960? Eating chips. No, wrong. Hilda? Did you say Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve on, uh, what was it, 1960? I suppose you were wondering whether you were going to get a piece of coal or an orange, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I was courtesy of British Rail, travelling... To Hillsborough to see the FA Cup semi-final between Spurs and Manchester United. Now, United lost 3-1, unfortunately. Jimmy Greaves played, and obviously that's why I'm getting around to it. Um, it was the second time I'd seen Jimmy Greaves play. He was, without any question, unbelievable. Running with the ball, unbelievable. He'd just go round people, just leave them in a mess. He was brilliant. And the fact that he mucked up the game for me. I wasn't very happy about that, especially on the journey home on the train, which was absolutely rammed with Spurs supporters, as you can imagine. But he was Ruined great. your Christmas, did it? <laughs> I should say. I should say. <laughs> My parents were going on at me, so I was, I was only, what, 13 or something like that. But uh, mm, a very sad day. A very sad day. But what are your memories of Jimmy Greaves? Have you got any? Uh, Rick, that'll have to be over to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Greavesy. Obviously, I mean, yeah. as much as uh, Jimmy was a legend on the field and heard so many people paying tribute to him over the last couple of days, and quite rightly so. I mean, he's one of those players that transcends time. When they ask the question, you know, could he could he have done it in the modern day? Of course he could. But uh, for, for my my generation, it was probably Saint and Greavesy, where a lot of people got to know Jimmy after his after his playing career and uh, he was he was a legend and they were they managed to make at that stage when there was very little live football or even coverage of football at all he actually sort of brought it to the people injected some fun into it and yeah for that alone I mean he had been very successful in two two different careers and uh, yeah just a top bloke from from what I gather from what people have been saying about him just absolute legend. Well, I see somebody quoted him as being possibly the first um, football pundit to arrive on the scene, which kind of was, you know, 
he's not far wrong, really, was he? Oh, no. I mean, they, there was nothing like it at the time. That All the football <coughs> coverage at the time was basically very straight-laced, very stiff upper lip, pundits in a studio, and Saturday lunchtime, they just made it a laugh before you yeah. went out and watched, uh, watched the game, hopefully. I mean, they were, they were incredible. Yeah, they were. There's no quite about that. They were brilliant, really. Um, I've sat and watched it many times, I must say. But but I've seen Jimmy Green's play twice because I was also at uh, Stamford Bridge when United played Chelsea. Uh, and that time we won. So, uh, But he scored again, would you believe? So, um, yeah. Which he did quite just, a, just a quick question on him. Because I, I can only really go by the... Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw Match of the Day 2 yesterday um but like the numbers they just spoke for themselves as they put the put the graphic up there but um i was reading today that um he retired at 31 now i it didn't really go into too much detail as to to why that was the case i'm assuming it was injury or he had um some 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 kind of decision like that always back back then was 31 kind of the time that you would retire compared to people retiring now at like 35, 36, because I don't want to do any disrespect to his name because I obviously wasn't <laughs> around in that era. era. I can only go by the facts and figures and stuff, but I just wondered if him retiring earlier made a difference in terms of what people thought of him as a player or whether that doesn't actually come into it. Because when, it, when <laughs> someone tells you that they retire at 31, you think that they could still have another five years at the top level. Hmm. I think that I mean I don't know because you'd have to relate 19 uh, 31 years to which year because I think he was quoted as saying that he was totally drunk for 1971 to 1973 or something so that oh, could, wow okay that that could have been yeah, yeah. the answer I don't know but it's um I, I've seen the figures pretty, quoted anyway pretty sure he had um I'm not sure it was knees or ankles but he had problems with with either one of those and used to drink as a way of getting through it yeah and before you know it Bosch alcoholic. Hmm, that's right. But uh, I met him but when there, he came when he came to Hewish Park for um, uh, you know sportsman's dinner, and he was charming. Mm -hmm. He was he was so relaxed, so natural, so easygoing that you kind of you know you there you were in this sort of in the presence of, of glory and and you know what can I say? He 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 just was so natural. You know you think you were your best mate because you you just you just met him, but he was he was brilliant. Really was. There's actually a, a documentary I watched last year or the year before on BT Sport. I'm not sure if it's still still available, but if it is, it's worth digging out. There's a, a documentary, obviously, about about Jimmy and his life and his career, and it's really is a, a good a good piece of work. It's worth watching. Well, worth watching if you can find it. Mm. So there you go, listeners. Have a look for that on BT Sport. Just quickly, Abe, eh, before we move on on that, am I right in thinking he had a spell? Um, abroad as well in Milan, which yeah. you know, Milan, back 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 then was sort of going abroad as a bit British player, and I imagine that would have been unheard of, wouldn't it? Well, it was pretty unusual, yeah. I mean, it was at a time when it was just beginning to get started because Joe Baker went over, um, and Dennis Law, maybe a year in front of him or a year behind, I'm not sure, but um, yeah. It was it was very much the thing, but he only played twelve games for AC Milan. Yeah, he was there for six months, wasn't he? And then he went back to Chelsea. Have I got that right? No, he went Not back sure. to, to Tottenham. Oh, he went back to Tottenham because he started okay. at Chelsea. Yeah, I can remember going on the old uh, tube to Fulham Broadway Station, and off you get, and you're not far from Stamford Bridge then. Yeah, no, he was he was something else. He really was. I mean, 
I mean, it's a pity that, you know, a lot of our listeners will probably have never seen him. I, I feel myself quite privileged, the fact that I have actually seen him play in the flesh. And, oh, and was, he's, he's so one, of those, one of those players that is, is reputation, and because of the, the sort of player he was, he transcends club rivalries, really. Yeah. yeah. I know he played mainly for those three London clubs, but I think everyone in the, in the country had affection for Jimmy Greaves. Yeah, quite. He was unlucky. He was unlucky in the World World Cup squad, wasn't he? Wasn't wasn't he? I'm I'm sure I was reading earlier today that he played the group games and then was it an injury he picked up? But then um, the manager said that well, Jeff Hurst is playing well, so he can't, you know, he can't throw him back in. I would imagine now it would be the equivalent of I don't know Harry Kane being out injured and then. Gareth Southgate saying to Calvert Lewin that you're going to start up front for me. Was it that kind of? Yeah, well, I suppose so I Jeff Hurst so. had a bit of pedigree, but similar kind of scenario, I'd imagine. Well, he did, but of course, he, you'd have to say that although it might have sounded cruel, the 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 the, the change was justified because Jeff Hurst scored the hat trick, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Well, listeners, we're having a nightmare today, I tell you. Phone calls in the middle of it, and I'm coughing for Britain all the time. It's an absolute nightmare, but we'll do our best to kick on. So, um, absolutely the right decision, Ned, at the end of the day, even though it seems to be very cruel. Yes? Yeah. Uh, Yes, sorry, we were talking about uh, the World Cup final selection, correct? Yes, we were. Yeah, I mean, like you say, you you never know. Jeff, um, Jeff Hurst might not have played that game. Greaves, he might have come in, and for as good as he was, they might not have, you know, got on the right end of the result. You'll yeah. never know. So, um, justified in the end. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But, uh, yeah, who can remember, you know, I mean, the World Cup final, it was a bit special, really, wasn't it? But I, I'm sure from his point of view, I'm mean, glad he eventually, because he didn't get a, a medal, not until, I don't know, 1980 or somewhere around there. I'm not sure what it was, but they, they did eventually. Was it him, just the playing, the actual team that played that got it, not squad members then? Yeah, yeah. So, wow. the, as I say, in the end, I, I don't know exactly what. It must have been a good 10, 15, 20. It might even have been 20 years on that he got. He finally got his medal, you know, a winner's medal, which uh, I think is more than justified, really. So, uh, And how ironic, too, that Chelsea were playing Spurs on the on the <laughs> old television, his, his two teams. I mean, the, the rousing, um, you know, minutes, minutes applause was, was incredible, really, I thought, at uh, White Hart Lane. Well, it's not white lightly now. Is yeah, it? yeah. What? I don't think it's got a name yet, has it? I think they're still mm. looking for a sponsor. I think it's just the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, or at least that's what they yeah. keep yeah. referring to it as. But what I did think was impressive. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the news about Jimmy broke um, Sunday morning, didn't it? So the yeah. ma- the fact that they managed to get all the ex players together in time for the afternoon kickoff. You saw Glenn Hoddle and a few other the faces there from times gone by with Jimmy. They managed to get them in pretty quickly. I mean, chances are they might have been at the game anyway, but it, it seemed like that they did well to get all of those players from both sides, you know, in the, in the space of a day to get it organised. Well, what do you think they were possibly there? Because wasn't this game um, a zero... Um... Oh, zero carbon game, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. yeah. So it might I'm well not be sure there. if they would have been there for that or not, but... Um, yeah, that's another good point as well, and a good initiative that, mm. um, yeah, as far as I'm aware, seemed to go pretty well. I think the shirts were sort of made in a sort of a recyclable, more recyclable than usual manner, was it? And like there was other bits and pieces 
um, that they did on the day to make it zero. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not a scientist. I've got a clue how they go about doing something like that. But uh, if it helps the planet, then long, long may it continue. That's the thing. So uh, you know, but it, ironic that, as I say, that they were playing uh, each other. <laughs> but the first half was very much Tottenham, but the second half, my goodness, Chelsea absolutely had them on the rack. Did you see the game? Saw bits of it, but it's I don't know. I don't know with Chelsea. You you hear all the time how powerful they are, what a great squad they've got, how well Tommy Tickle's doing, but it's a long season, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's a long season. Yeah. yeah. And, and as, as, long as, as long as the hype continues around Chelsea, I mean, one, one thing that Chelsea did, which uh, was quite surprising uh, in, in the, uh, the fixtures yesterday, was they loaned their referee to, uh, to West Ham. Really? <laughs> oh, Martin Atkinson loves a Chelsea penalty. I, uh, I, w- I wondered how long it was going to take. They loaned him over to the, to the other side. Well, we'll, we'll come back Absolutely. to Martin. I've got a, a whole section about Martin Atkinson, so we'll come back. We'll, we'll yeah. come back to him in a minute because he, he he really. You both didn't disappoint me when I, when <laughs> when Ad texted me this morning saying who was going to be on the podcast this um, tonight when I knew what happened this weekend. I knew what was coming. Mm. I knew what was coming. So I'm looking forward to that section. Enjoy. Enjoy, <laughs> but, um, Hilda. But Prepare to be educated, on... Hilda. <laughs> but just touching on what you were saying about Chelsea, yeah, of course, it's going to be a, a long old season and the you know the proof will be in the pudding and there's a lot of um, you know competitions that they, they're going to be looking to do quite well in. I mean, they're obviously the European champion, so they're going to want to try and defend that as much as they can. And then there's a yeah. balance between what they start to prioritise. But, um, I mean, I guess you can only really judge them on what they've done so far and three away wins in that time without conceding a goal as well. Yeah, OK, you could say that Spurs and Arsenal were maybe not what they once were. But, I mean, with the big games, there's... You've still got to go there and do a job. Took a point at Liverpool when they went down to 10 men for 45 minutes. So I think they'll definitely be there. It's just a case of, you know, who is going to be there as well. Because, like, I think Rick touched on ADU as well and a few of the others. That um, I think it's going to be a lot tighter this year between... Absolutely. Well, yeah, you can see that already, can't you? But I, I think we it's noticeable that... a proper title race. Yeah. But I see yeah. it's noticeable that Romelu Lukaku didn't score... In the last two games, am I right in saying that? I think I am. Um, is that a drought? Is that a what? Sorry. From his. Is that a drought? Yeah. Well, <laughs> two goals. He's been pretty, pretty consistent of late, hasn't he? You know. But um, but no, I thought Chelsea were very good. I have to say that. And you know, Tommy Tickle, he, he's he's pretty organised, isn't he? He seems to, you know, really know what he's doing. And um, he's... well, he changed it, didn't he? He changed it. He recognised that there was that change as well documented. But I always think there's two ways of looking at this because, yeah, he recognised the change and then he amended it. But then you could say, then why didn't he start N'Golo Kante in the first place? Because, and I was just surprised that um, he didn't and Kante <coughs> did start the game because you look at the big games and he's the type of player that probably you would imagine would would normally be the first on the team sheet. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. You can say that he recognised the change and changed it, and obviously they were much better in the second half. And some of it might also be to do with the fact that, I don't know what was going on with Spurs, but it just looked like that they got in at half-time and come out of the second half and just stopped. It was really bizarre, considering how well they were doing the first half. But I just wonder if Tuchel might have got it wrong in the first place. 
Well, one bloke on Sky Sports this morning said he thought that the reason that Spurs stopped was because they weren't fit enough to keep that sort of pressure up. So there you go. Um, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what he said. I mean, I guess they've got. I guess they've got previous, haven't they? I mean, sometimes they do sort of um, act like that they're going to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you touched on it, Rick, last week. I mean, they what do they get off to the good start to this season? Three wins from three, yeah. and then they lost to Crystal Palace three 0 And like you said, their season's done now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they'll go down. Because when you consider they played United and beat us six one, that do you remember that? What a day, awful day that was. And you know you would have no, thought that never happened. No, all right. Um, but you would have thought that that you know they were going to have a good season from that point, but it never materialised, did it? And it's the same this season, really. It's just the Spurs way. If they can, they'll they will find a way of coming close and putting pressure on, but never actually winning anything at the moment. It just seems to be the mentality at that place. At yeah. The if the, if there was a trophy for the putting the pressure on trophy, mm. Spurs would have a very full cabinet. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you think Nuno is going to last the season? No. <laughs> Tend to agree with you. What do you think, Hilda? Depends. I don't know. It depends on Daniel Levy, doesn't it? Because I mean, he must realise that the expectation that he puts on Spurs now can't be realistic. Looking at what other clubs have spent, etc. So I mean, Nuno can only really do so much. I don't know. I guess it. It depends where they are and how they're playing. If they're anywhere like between sort of ninth and tenth come January, then I guess there could well be a change because you know he's ruthless. Mm. But he's he's caught between two stools, I think, because he was so desperate to hang on to Harry Kane or get the right amount of money for Harry Kane. Now yeah. he put Manchester City off, but what's he actually done? That would signify. You can take that one of two ways. And if you were to say that that signifies he's got great ambition for Spurs, then he's got to back it up by getting, A, his first-choice manager and not his fifth-choice manager in him, and also backing whoever he gets in with the with the money to buy the players that are going to do a job. Because Spurs, what they got? they got two world-class players. And, that's, and then a, the rest of them, they aren't bad footballers, but they're not ones that are going to win you things. Yeah, they're not elite. You can't keep going to the well of Son and Kane every single week. It's just not physically possible. And they've been doing it for years, haven't they, Rick? That's the problem. Yeah. The Son and Kane, they've been relying on them not just for the last two seasons, probably for the last five. Yeah. But it does make... It's, the... it's, it's funny. I know you can't always put a lot of faith in whoever's doing the graphics for the match of the day, but if you saw the way they had Spurs set up, it was in a like a Christmas tree thing, four, three, yeah. two, mm. one... But Son was at the top of it, and Kane, Kane was, was in the middle. Down. Yeah. Now this this thing was was seen as an asset under Mourinho that Kane could drop back, and he was a number ten. But he was on the left wing at some point yesterday. And if I was a Spurs fan, I would want him in the penalty area. It doesn't make sense to me that he's going around chasing it and thinking that he could. It's, it's like when Roy Hodgson had him taking corners and <laughs> yeah. free kicks and things. It's just. Stay in the middle and score goals, Harry, and let the rest of them sort the rest of it out. Because it does beg the question, if he went for all those other managers, which he did, presumably, um, why did they all turn the job down, I wonder? Or did he turn some of them down? I don't know which way it went, but whatever it was... It His record's get... not great, is it? He's, he's on bringing players in and giving managers what they want. I mean, I might be speaking out of turn. I'm not a Spurs fan, but it, it doesn't strike me as someone that wants to spend the money. No. 
you just want to do it on the cheap if you can. I, I, I think a good comparison, possibly, I mean, you probably disagree with this, but I mean, um, when Leeds were in the championship and Leeds were going through pretty much a manager every six months, I yeah. just wonder if managers might look at the club and say, oh, this is a good club, good stadium. But what the manager expects from me with what I've got, there's no point because I won't have a job in six months. I just wonder if the expectation might also be what's putting managers off because what Daniel Levy maybe expects is not realistic when you compare it to not, the rest of the league. Not with the tools that he gives them in to yeah. do that. It's all very well. You can be ambitious and you can want things and you can say people aren't going to take our best players. But at the same time, you've got to back that manager with something to improve your squad and make it competitive. Mm. Agreed. And he doesn't seem inclined to do that, does Mr Levy? Having said that, like you've touched on before, Aid, maybe managers don't care about being sacked because then they get all their money out of what they were going to tie in the contract. Yeah. Well, you you know, <laughs> you got, you know you what I feel about that. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I know of a certain manager. He made, he made a living out of getting jobs. Mr again. S. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, good luck to him if you can get away with it. I mean, why not? But, um, yeah, no, it is it is a... And, of course, you know, I mean, Mourinho got... What did he get? 15 million, was it, Rick, from United? Something like that. Something like that. Worth every penny to get rid of him. Well, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Possibly. But, um, but no, I mean, it, it's it's... No, I don't know. I just, I just think Daniel Levy has got such a this sort of hostile um, image that he, he seems to portray all the time that people just, you know, they just they don't want to work for him. Full stop. He must be a miserable bastard. But is that a public? Is that just a public persona to have this hard nosed negotiator? He could be a lovely man yeah, behind yeah. the scenes. He could be, but it's just he does he does portray this this hard nosed businessman, and he's only a front man. Because mm. he's not the one who's got the money. It's this other other chap behind Joe, who's got Joe, all the Joe Lewis, isn't it, or Louis, or something like that? Yeah, he's yeah. got all the dosh, and 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 Levy just treats it as if it's his own. And there was a few comments like too about Harry Kane's performance in general on Saturday in the second half. It was pretty dire. What did you think? Well, at least he had a shot this week. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> That's an improvement on last week. But he certainly he seems to have. He's obviously upset still, and the whole transfer business is still niggling him, I should think. Is, is he out of form or sulking? Sulking, I reckon. It's well, a, a good point, and that's the difference between him and Rooney, maybe, because when Rooney sulked is when he was at his best. Yeah. Different <laughs> personalities, though. Like that, that goal against Newcastle when he was berating with the referee, and then yeah, he just yeah. spanked it off the bar. Yeah. He was like, all right, then. Let's have some of that. But I think that was going to be the issue with Kane this year is that I think uh, the rumours come, uh, you know, rumours, social media world, you never really know what's true and what's not. But, you know, they say there's no smoke without fire. But apparently he was furious with the way Tottenham played against Crystal Palace. And you just wonder if this season might be the season where he starts to be like, oh, do you know what? This is absolute rubbish. And then that affects his own performance. I guess we'll really see how good he is mentally um, by, you know, the stats that he's got by Christmas and then obviously beyond that. The thing is, he's set the bar so high at an individual level with his individual stats and everything. It's going to be noticeable, very noticeable if he uh, if he falls below that standard. Yeah. Has he missed his chance to move now, Rick? Because uh, I'm not sure how old he is. But if you just want, I just wonder, depending on what he does this year, next season... He'll be another year older. 
the amount yeah. of money they'll still want. Has he missed his boat now? Well, he's talk, there was talk of him signing a new contract, but this time, rather than have a gentleman's agreement with uh, Mr. Levy, <laughs> actually, have the clause, actually having a clause put into it where there is a release fee. But the thing is, if he carries on playing the way he is, no one's going to want to pay that anyway. No, but... If he, if he can't back it up with goals. When, when you think about it, 27, 28, age-wise, if you're going to go out and buy a, a, a new striker, with, which is one of the topics I've got down here, there seems to be so many young players... And by young, I yeah. mean kind of 18, 19, 20, that are being given a chance and then are excelling, like Jude Bellingham, mm. for example. I mean, Haaland, I don't know, he's not very old, is he? He's another one. Um, uh, 21, maybe. Sancho is, I mean, we haven't seen much of Sancho yet, but he's supposedly going to be all right. He's another one. And then, you know, when you think, well, if you can buy him for 73 million and you've got potentially a good 10 years in front of you if he doesn't get injured and then you go and say well I'll, go and buy, I'll buy Harry Kane for 150 million because that's the sort of figure they were talking about you know you're not it's the comparison is there he's a, he's a player for now he has to be bang on the top of his game otherwise he's not worth the money because there's no resale value no no, at all. no exactly so he has to perform he has to hit the ground running and he has to score goals straight away and the way he's performing this season doesn't look like he's uh has he still got has he still got a long way to go on his current contract because i just wondered if he might interest to run it down but then if he does that and he's 31 then maybe not Mm. depends on the numbers he keeps producing if he stays at spurs until he's 31 then there's every possible and he's still scoring goals there's every possibility he could get a, a free at the end of that and recoup well get a small fortune himself because there's no transfer fee involved. But yeah. that really is a long game. If he wants to move, he's going to have to up and down. He's going to have to, he's going to, have to make himself irresistible to Manchester City. Mm. Definitely. Because no one else, no one else will play. Let me ask you a question. Do you find generally there's there the odd player that you really can't stand? And I'm going to name one in a minute that I can't stand. I don't know what it is about the bloke. He just annoys me. But probably... Can't stand present. Well, no present really, um, but probably the reason I don't like him so much is because he's quite good, and that's James <laughs> Bloody Milner. God, he annoys me intensely, and he's still going. He's, I'm, I'm surprised Liverpool haven't sort of got rid of him now because he's getting on a bit, isn't he? But I mean, he had another Did brilliant see, game, did, didn't he? Did his stats on Match of the Day? It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, first in everything. However old he is, it's, it's not Get like a better match day. Not- reported to, uh, to to dislike somebody that's played for Man City, Liverpool and Leeds. I mean, he ticks all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. But personally, I don't think there's any player in the world that I don't like. Or maybe one. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, Geordie. Oh, I wonder. Geordie. <laughs> Good old Jordan. The man with plastic teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That numpty. Yeah. He shinned one in Europe the other day, and all oh, skull of the whatever. But oh he sh- wow! He okay. shinned it. Mm. Anyway, it's Martin Atkinson time, folks. Right okay. then. Right then. Chelsea's Martin Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. What all was he? What Ham. was he doing at the London Stadium for a start? How could he miss three penalties? How could he miss three penalties? Tell me that. Let I'll me let ask you Dave. Dave, you haven't. They, you haven't got a foot. You, have, you haven't. You haven't got a contender in this argument, really. Can right. you explain to me how there were five penalty shouts in that game? Why did only one go to VAR? Yeah, exactly. 
But I think you might find they did, that but they never showed it or never mentioned it. Well, the, he was only he only went to the screen for one of them. Yeah, mm. yeah. Where the that's what. And I didn't see really I why he needed to go for the screen because that was obviously a penalty anyway. Luke Shaw won. Well, mm. that's, yeah, that's that, that, well, that's actually <clears> quite <throat> interesting. Actually, that that one was the most blatant one, I think, because mm. it like it was like out here, like certainly from. I mean, watching it in the naked eye, that yeah. looked like the most obvious one. So I was surprised that he had to even go to VAR for that one. The <laughs> I thought Ronaldo should definitely have had a penalty. Um, the first one, absolutely. The second one, difficult in it because we've seen so the many players world. get like touched on the shoulder or whatever, yeah. and they go down. Some difficult. It probably isn't enough to bring him go to make him go down, but if you get touched, you go down. So I can kind of it's, get that one. Does it? Does that one fall into the I've seen him given? Yeah, a hundred percent. And um, then. The third one, I actually thought the the last one on Zuma was more of a penalty than the first one, but it was only when I saw it on match of the day when it looked like it was the timing. Sort of his neck. Yeah, but yeah. then split second, I'm surprised that it didn't even like that he well, didn't what, go over to the monitor. He didn't get a review of it. Yeah, but the first the That's, first one that yeah the Sochek one though was really confusing because I thought Wan Bissaka so took him out. And he gave it the other way. You hang a leg out like that. But then having said that, and as, as much as uh, I agree that United... I think United should have had two of the three. But West yeah, Ham should have had one... That. West Ham should have had one before that. Who was it? Was it Socek who was brought down in the... Yeah, in the Socek area? and Wan-Bissaka, was it? Wan-Bissaka, it was... Abs- and he didn't... He gave it He gave it to United. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't believe even that. look at it. Yet that, to me... As much as I, I mean, you breathe a sigh of relief and think, oh, he's, he's made a ricket there. And I didn't realise that was actually the standard he was going to referee the rest of the game to. But don't you yeah, think, though, as, as a referee, he's past his best, surely? I mean, he's over when 50. Was hmm? When was his best? Well, I don't know, but certainly it's gone now, that's for I sure. Don't, I, don't get, I don't get referees' reti- retiring age because Mark Clattenburg left a long time ago. And I swear he's a lot younger than Martin Atkinson. Yeah, didn't I they, don't get they when I think they've changed it now. There's no upper limit. It's, it's done on annual assessments. And if you still match the criteria. Mike Dean's been be a referee done. since I started watching football. 1943. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he, and he's still not giving United a penalty. He, he's another one. <laughs> yeah, but Mike, Mike, Dean's a different, Mike Dean's a different beast because Mike Dean is about Mike Dean. Yeah. Yeah, and you know they they say you know a referee's had a good game if uh, if you don't know who it, if you don't notice the referee has, yeah. has Mike Dean ever had a game that wasn't about Mike Dean? Mm. Yeah, that's a fair point. You've never gone. Oh, did Mike Dean referee that one? I didn't realise. Well, I that. never noticed it. <laughs> referee should be seen and not heard. Or no, the other way around. Heard and not seen. Um, yeah. Are you confusing yourself now, Adrian? Yeah, I am. Yes, yeah. I've had a yeah. stressful day. Mate. I think. Um, I think, in fairness to you guys, Ollie's the best manager you've had when it comes to deflecting off the team, whether it's good or bad. Because Ollie will always pick something that happened in the game, even if you won or not. And he'll talk about that until the cows come home. And that's all that gets written about. And I find it really annoying. But from your point of view, you must absolutely love it because it's just like, yeah, let Ollie rant about it. Because that's all that they'll get talked about in the papers, and he's the best at it, Ferguson, in my opinion. I was going to say, who do you, who do you think he learned that off? He learned yeah, that off exactly. Two 
Ferguson, you're absolutely right. It's it's almost like a carbon copy. And like I say, it's a I begrudgingly admire it, I guess, <laughs> as an opposition fan, but it doesn't make it any less annoying when I listen to it. And I think I know what Ollie's gonna say. You could win the same against Newcastle and he was worried about oh, I just wonder if Ronaldo's ever gonna get a penalty. And obviously he justifiably justifiably said it um after the West Ham game, but He's, he's just got that knack to just talk about anything else other than how his team just played. With, with the Ronaldo thing, that is very much a Ferguson trait because he's just planting that seed. So the next time Ronaldo goes down and it's perceived as being a bit dramatic, they'll see that there were mistakes made in this one and it's, it's at the forefront of your mind. So it increases the odds of him getting getting the next one. I think that's what the problem is as well is, well, I guess it's just the way he is, but when Ronaldo doesn't get a penalty, <laughs> you know, the first thing he goes down on his knees, he then holds his hands together and starts doing the shaking of the head and it like, he oh, you missed, absolutely you goes mental. And I, I don't think that really helps the referees. You, you, missed, you missed out one vital part of that, that routine. He will go on his knees, pull his shorts up over his thighs and then do that. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, I'm, I forgot the knee thing. <laughs> Lest we forget. Yeah. But, um, It'll be interesting to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks, for sure, to see if um, you know that changes. I've got two rabid West Ham supporters living across the road from me. Um, and before the game, yes. as we uh, left the pub, I said to them, you know what's going to happen, don't you? No, no, what? We're going to win. No, Lingard's going to score the winner. And sure enough, right on cue, he did. But I don't know why he didn't celebrate it because it was a hell of a goal. I thought. Yeah, it's just out of respect to. Uh, well, yeah, I know, but it's Cox, it? well, it is. But it was weird, wasn't it? Because it was, in my opinion, it was the most celebrated non-celebration. Like he wanted, he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Mm. And I loved Ronaldo just shoving Lingard, saying, "Go on, enjoy it, son." Yeah. And then he was yeah. like, "Oh, Ronaldo's told me to celebrate. I better celebrate." And then he had a smile on his face. Um, you know, Rick, you, you spoke about this a lot, about how you don't, you know, you worry for Lingard and not being able to get game time. And we've not had a chance to speak about what happened in midweek. And I'm sure both of you were annoyed and probably looked at it and gone, oh, it's Jesse who's given the ball away. But I guess the the best thing that you can do is, is come on and take your chance. He did it against Newcastle and you can't argue with his finishing. No, that you can't. Performance against, that performance against West Ham is exactly how to use... Jesse Lingard. He's, he's not someone that you put in the starting lineup and he's going to boss a game or he's going to do whatever. But if a game is tight and it comes to the last 20 minutes or so and you want someone to do something like that, I mean, two players that I would happily see the back off from United were involved in that goal. Matic played an excellent through ball. Mm. Good job I was he didn't have to run that. anywhere to get it, but he, he did play a great through ball. And, and Lingard finished and squad depth, didn't it? It's the only issue, and it, I don't want to call it an issue, but it's the only concern possibly from your point of view is that if Lingard starts doing that, then there is a danger that Sancho will be your new Van der Beek and will just not get a run of games. And then, because like Van der Beek, like you said, Rick, before, you don't really know how good he is because he hasn't had a chance to get a run. And if he doesn't get a run this season... I, I don't know. I just wonder if in the end of it, you might be like, oh, we've blown a lot of money on those two players and we've never actually used them. I wonder if Sancho might become that. 
I think Van, Van der Beek's reputation was such before he joined United that, you know, if he doesn't make it impact this year, then the chances are he'll move on, but he should retain some some sell-on value. But Lingard's done exactly what Van der Beek should be doing when he gets yeah. an opportunity. Mm. That's that's what you've got to do. He's Van der Beek is competing for a place with uh, Bruno Fernandes and Paul yeah. Pogba and now Jesse Lingard. So he just... The, the frustrating thing about Van der Beek is he needs to kick up the arse. He doesn't look it looks like he's too nice. Yeah. You know, he's, he doesn't look like he's got the devil in him to, to take a game by the scruff of the neck and, and boss it. And, and you you'll know better than me, but it seems to me that when he does get a start, it's in a game where Manchester United are quite flat themselves, like what happened against young boys. Like, that's when he yeah. got his choice his game didn't really work out the team lost and then you don't see him again like he well, he's got to get put into flat performances well, that, that was an opportunity for him and then yeah ollie made dropped an absolute ricket going to five at the back against young boys on their plastic pitch and it and removed all the momentum away from it and that was a game that you know maybe van der Beek could have made a difference to he I'm wasn't playing it. badly he hadn't, he hadn't put a foot wrong really I'll tell you another thing, too. I don't know if you noticed it, but when um, De Gea saved the penalty and everybody was milling around and celebrating like mad, and Van der, uh, Van der Beek, he came on to join in the so-called sort of celebrations, but I just thought his body language, the way he, he sort of just didn't look as though he felt he was part of the team. So, yeah, he can't feel part of it yet, can he? No, he, well, no. Because he's not. <laughs> Adrian, yeah. thoughts, on, thoughts on that penalty save? <laughs> well, and his form overall this season, because he's been very good from what I've seen. He's been outstanding. It was a fairly easy penalty to save, but he did save it. I just wish <laughs> that, you know, he could have put the effort. I bet there was a fair bit of mental effort that went into that save, apart from just the physical side of doing it. And, and well, you he, just saw is Henderson fit yet? And if so, no. he's gaining fitness. He's not. He's not actually match fit yet. He but I don't. Th I don't think he'll get straight back in now. I don't think he will. I, th I think he's. He's. De Gea is in a stronger position than he was at any point last season. I think. Yeah. He is now. Yeah. And then now. saving that penalty just enhances his his so called reputation. But it just it just shows you he can save them. But he, over that, he's been... Bloody Why up. hasn't he done it up to now, Adrian? Why hasn't he tried a little bit harder? <laughs> Why is he wait for now? I know. I know. I wish I could tell you that. I mean, I, I, oh. I, I have bad dreams about that final. Ten blooming penalties. On the, just um, a lot. God, dear. On the, on, the, on the flip side of that, what did you guys make of David Moyes bringing on Mark Noble just to take the penalty? Because in my opinion, I think... I think too much was made of that. His his record's really good. He was taking a penalty. They were talking about him not properly warming up and all of that. I'm like, he's taking a penalty. He's not he's not asking to do a graveyard shift down the wing and, and do that for the next 25 minutes. It's just, it's a gamble that and, and it didn't pay off. It wasn't the most terrible penalty in the world, but I feel like too much was made of it and probably more was made of it because it was David Moyes who made the decision. Well, the, the thing is, with, with that decision, he was on a hiding to nothing. Because if he brings Noble on and Noble scores, well, that's what he should do. Yeah. If he doesn't score, then he gets the stick that he's getting now. I mean, Declan Rice is a perfectly capable 
And what does it say to Declan Rice? Yeah. Yeah, I guess no, that's the only thing, isn't no it? No bottle. I, I, you know. Well, his manager doesn't think he's got ball. But did you? I don't know if either of you guys saw. Uh, I, I saw a graphic that made me smile. Uh, Mark Noble's touch map for the game. Mm. <laughs> one penalty spot. Yeah, it's just one <laughs> yellow blob on the penalty spot, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, switching to Liverpool because we will get complaints otherwise. Um, who did they play? I've forgotten now. Who did they play? Liverpool. Uh, Crystal, Palace. Crystal Palace. Oh, that's right. Well, therefore, you can't really say too much about the game because anyone can beat Crystal Palace. Spurs can't. <laughs> yes, very good point. But I do think I, that I think, um, Palace, I think Palace are going to be a good, a good team this season. I, I like the, the the way they performed against Spurs the previous week. I thought that was a tricky game for for Liverpool potentially. Yeah, but I think um, I mean Patrick Vieira has got all the experience in the world, hasn't he? Let's be fair. Um, but uh, I mean, Liverpool outplayed them, I thought, really, generally. And uh, I think one's got to give Mohamed Salah a little bit of credit because he is on fire at the moment. Uh, so, you know. One, yeah. one thing about, one thing on, about before, before, before Dave launches Waxed his lyrical about them. It's his 15 <laughs> minute monologue. Um, just one thing if the, uh, the <laughs> organisers of the Fantasy Football League, are listening to this, he is not a midfielder. He plays up front. <laughs> yeah, just just a, just a side issue. It, it does grinds my gears. He's not a midfielder. He's a forward. He's a wide. He's a right-sided inside forward. He's not a that midfielder. Is a, that is a fair point because if it's the uh, main Premier League fantasy football, they had Aubameyang as a midfielder. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I am with I am I am with you on that one. I, it's uh, just that I, just that one thing. It's it's just the Liverpool front three because they've got Firmino as the only forward. Yet he's the one that plays deepest of the three. <laughs> yeah. And the two that he's, play... he's more the midfield player. A hundred percent on that. Hundred percent on that. But um, anyway, Dave, yeah. What? How did you think Liverpool played over the weekend, sir? Yeah, they were they were they were really good, weren't they? I mean. I guess the, the the encouraging thing from my point of view is that a lot has been said about our squad depth because um, we didn't sign anyone. But um, he rested the full-backs. Um, um, uh, who didn't play? Firmino didn't play, did he? I don't think. Um, I think there was no. a few. I think there was about six changes, was there, in the team? Uh, Both full injury and for other changes as well. And... Um, so yeah, I, like you said, I think um, Crystal Palace had the potential to be a tricky game, but um, they made quite light work of it in the end. And last week, Salah got his hundredth goal, and I think this time this week Mane did, didn't he? I think that yeah, was hundred goals. Yeah, he did. For Liverpool. So in the time that they've been there, I mean, I wouldn't have expected Mane or Salah, the type of players they were, to be hitting those kind of levels. Um, so, I mean, it was a pleasant surprise, really, I guess. But it's all going to be about the next couple of years for Liverpool because the front three, like you guys have touched on, they're sort of late 20s, 30 now. Um, so they're going to have to start at some point jigging it around a little bit. This may be the last season, possibly, where the front three, six, will probably look like it is now for Liverpool. Well... The thing is, though, you're going to lose half of them over Christmas for this uh, African Nations Cup or whatever it is. That's going to hit you, I think, big time. 
Yes, so just, I heard you guys talking people. about this last week. I heard you guys talking about this last week. Yeah, it would be, uh, and possibly Cater, but he's kind of in and out of the team anyway, uh, yeah. depending on who's playing in midfield. But I guess the only thing I would say to that is Liverpool struggled when they didn't have their defence rather than not having their attack. I just wonder if the only thing that might be okay that saves Liverpool is yes who they play in those fixtures where Mano and Salah aren't available for but we we spent so long without a defence maybe it'll be interesting to see us having our full strength defence and then just having Origi and Jota coming in for a couple of games I don't think it's as bad as maybe it seems on paper but I guess we'll see it does put an awful lot on Jota because he's he could force his way into that First choice front three, I think, anyway. Yeah, but agreed. To be without two of them, and then it, all of a sudden he becomes the main man. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it changes the whole dynamic then, doesn't it? Um, mm. but it'd be interesting to see if he might even change the formation possibly a little bit. Um, Ari, he's very hot and cold. He's not someone that you're going to rely on to um, to sort of lead the line, certainly not in a title charge. But I don't know. Hopefully, if, if we... Um, well, I guess the, the main thing I hope for is that Egypt and uh, Senegal have absolute stinkers and they're home, home quite nice and early. <laughs> That's one way of looking not at very, it. Yeah, not <laughs> very supportive. But it's, no, it's not. The thing is, though, I'm, that I'm you, you've got this big competition which is going to put pressure on the players, um, whereas, you know, the rest of the, the Premiership... Well, I mean, put it this way, United, I don't think I've got anybody going to the African Nations Cup. I don't think. I might be wrong. Eric Bailly. Well, he's not even in the first team, is he? So that's probably the only one. Wan-Bissaka, if, if Wan-Bissaka doesn't get a chance with England soon enough, he may well yeah. defer. Other than that, they're not exactly flooded out with them, though, are they? So no. United aren't going to be affected by it. Um, thing, Chelsea got a few, are they, is, haven't they? Well, the thing with Liverpool is... Such that all that their success and and Gary Neville said it doesn't make it law, but it's an observation from Gary Neville that even if you're looking at the top four, if you're just looking at it one to eleven, Liverpool probably have the strongest one to eleven amongst that, and you're losing two of those players. Yeah, it's quite it's quite a chunk out of because they're perceived as having although they've got this strong eleven, they don't have the depth in the squad, and you take two of your main performers away from it, it's it's going to hurt them. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Indeed. Well, it would just mean we go because when 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 is it? The start of January. I yeah. mean, Liverpool, Liverpool the, under Jurgen Klopp, they go out of the first round of the FA Cup anyway, so that game's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, possibly there might be a round of the Carabao Cup somewhere, depending on how far you've gone. But again, we don't really seem to take that particularly seriously. We know that Man City are going to win that one anyway. Yeah. Um, so hopefully there'll be a few other cup games that will be in there. Champions League is finished at that point until yeah. February. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess we've got to try and get as many points on the board until until they go. But talking to Manchester City, which you just early. dropped in, um, they're struggling a little bit, aren't they? They're not not their usual selves, shall we say. On, on the sorry? On the field, well, and off the field, because well, old Pep's on, in trouble, isn't field, he? Yeah, Pep's in trouble because neither of their supporters turned up the other week, and he was very cross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll tell them, isn't it? I mean, they ought to 
I really don't understand why that's been talked about so much. Like he, I I feel like it was far. It was looked into far too much. And I guess the only reason I can see that it was under the microscope, uh, microscope even, is because he hit a nerve and he was absolutely right. People don't turn up and watch them. No. I don't get what the problem was. And they never have done. And it's part of this perception of Manchester, part of their image is the fact that it's the empty hat. Nobody turns up. They are, a, apart from the, the 20,000 that would go anyway, they, they just... It's funny, I was listening to a United podcast this morning and it's the thing about Manchester City is they're so desperate, the owners, to turn Manchester City into everything that Manchester City supporters used to take the mickey out of United for. <laughs> they want them to become a theme park, have day trippers coming in, be a worldwide brand and whatever. And these are all things that Manchester City were criticising United for for years. And that's what you the guys see. want. Did you see there was a fan spokesperson interviewed on Sky Sports? And some of the arguments he was giving, I mean, it was laughable. He was like, well, Man Manchester, uh, we're working, uh, Manchester City has working class fans from Manchester and they can't always afford a ticket. I'm like, but, but Manchester United's full. Like, that's a stupid argument to start with. You're in the same yeah. bloody city. <laughs> and then yeah. he said, he was talking about, Liverpool, how they fill their stadiums, but about 20% of it, if not more, is full of tourists. And that's the same with Manchester United. And like, yeah, that's part of being a big club, mate. That's how it works. Like, that's what you want. That's the model model they're trying to follow now. Yeah, Uh, I don't don't understand the argument whatsoever. And the fact that they were having to interview him in the first place just shows how out of proportion City fans have kind of got out of their pram about this. But there but was a point where you said, why did, it, why did it get so much attention? The reason it got so much attention was because some, you know, dual, a good um, supporters chairman or something came on um, before the one you're on about on Sky yeah. uh, and, and, and challenged him. You can't say things like that about our supporters. They're wonderful, et cetera, et cetera. That's why it got the, you know, because it, it was like mm-hmm. Pep's upset the apple cart here and they're all getting uptight. So that, that was, I think that was the reason why it, uh, it, you know, got the attention that it did really. But, if that relationship doesn't heal, he won't last a season because the fans will win. Mm. Well, yeah. But I wouldn't have thought they'd want to force him out particularly, would you? Not until he's delivered European story. (laughs) Yeah, and Man City fans won't really care about domestically because other managers have won it domestically. He's won it so far. Are they going to win? Is he going to be there much longer anyway before he has his usual kind of, I want to break from football? It wouldn't surprise me if it ended up in a sort of a bust up between him and fans and he goes, oh, do you know what? Or the... um, Mm. The people at the club say, "Look, we've got too much of a divide here." We'll well, it, it depends. It depends who's driving this. It could it could be part of an exit strategy from from Pep, or it could be a genuine error, and he's he's inadvertently got under the nose of the the Berties hardcore. If it was an error, he came out and said he did, he's not going to apologise. Yeah, he? yeah. That, said, that might have been an said, error. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say sorry. I meant it. Come to the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, well, the trouble is, after time they that. spend with their backs to the game, don't they? City fans. That's the trouble with them. Are they still doing that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, when, what, the the when, Poznan. Yeah, when they yeah. score, pathetic. 
But uh, there you go, I suppose that's what it is. Well, we haven't got much time left, boys, but we've got uh, there's a couple more I wanted to get in. Um, first of go all, Wayne Rooney uh, and Derby County going into administration. What a, what a, well, unbelievable situation there, isn't it? It's a shame, yeah, but he, classic he, old English clubs. Yeah, yeah, and he wouldn't have been—he wouldn't have been surprised by this. I know he—I know he was surprised when, in terms of when it actually happened, because he said he didn't know until he saw it on Sky Sports News. <laughs> yeah. But the points, <laughs> the points that went coming. down like a lead but, balloon. Yeah, but he's—he—he's he's known what's going on at Derby, and that's why I admire what he—he's doing um, at Derby as well. I mean, considering like they're midway through the table at the moment, they've started really well considering the yeah. team he's had to put together. And, but I just hope from, you know, from his point of view that people won't look at it and be like, Oh, he's at Derby. They're now in league one and he doesn't get a managerial chance somewhere. I hope that it's the opposite and people can actually see that he's, he's been fighting with his, you know, he's got his hands tied behind his back. He's blindfolded. He's, yeah, he's not. He's got everything handicapped. Then there's the chance that with all the suspended points, etc., it could go up to as much as 24 points. Yeah, yeah. With all the yeah, different, yeah. and they they They've would got surely go down if that was to be the case, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's just just asking for too much, isn't it? Asking for too much. Yeah. But I think he came out this week and said to the board, "It was like, well, should we just start planning for League One now?" And he's right. Mm. Really, and he's the only manager, he's a, he's a, apart from Harry Redknapp, who's given Ravel Morrison a chance. You know, well, he's a better coach than people are expecting him to be. I think from yeah, I think uh, so. From from stuff I've read, he actually his training sessions are spot on, and he's, he's he knows a good player when he sees one. So I don't know. Give him some resources. If he imagine if he'd had the resources that as uh, is there a manager with a fantastic reputation that's always just had money to spend and a golden generation given to him. Never falls out with a fan. <laughs> yeah. But if you were to swap those two around, it'd be interesting to see uh, who would who would thrive in the other's environment. Has he got good people around him as well? And when I mean good people, I mean like big names from his time at like United or We're anyone. Senior, who's isn't it? Who's, who's alongside him at, at Derby. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Shay Givens there as well, is he? Yeah. Yeah, I think mm. so he's got some. He's got some half decent people that have been been around the block and have got some experience. But he's, I don't know. You've got to take take your out to him, really, to to be in that situation and just to concentrate on the on the football side of things. And that that side of the situation, he's actually uh, he's doing doing really well. And yeah, I think I read somewhere that he put some of his own money in as well. He did. Yeah, I'm sure I saw it in the paper. So not that he's skinned, obviously, but you know, just. To do that and be the manager and, and understand what the players are going through, and I suppose it's fair to say, well, you know, footballers they still need to get their wages because they've got mortgages to pay and all the rest of it. So, uh, you know, more power to his elbow for doing that. Really, I thought. Well, you could you could say that that Wayne has invested in the situation quite literally. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but um, well, time will tell on that one. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, I just want to check the time. Uh, yeah, just oh, just on. just a very quick one. Yeovil came on stuck on Saturday. Um, I was at the game as Hilda was, and um, I thought they were a bit unlucky, really. Although first half they played quite well, but uh, once they conceded the goals, it all kind of went wrong, didn't it, Hilda? Yeah, very much so. I think obviously they were really disappointed they didn't get the goal when um, the goalkeeper just appeared to drop it uh, in the penalty area from the corner. Staunton mm. tapped it in. 
And as the goalkeepers always get, they get the foul in mm. that situation. But you look at it back, he, he did. Oaks just dropped the ball. That's mm. all that happened. Then um, Chesterfield then go and score uh, a couple of minutes later. That's just, you know, that that's football, as they say. Yeah. But yeah. Um, they got hit with a couple of sucker punches. I mean, Shamanga's second goal. Yeah, OK, it was route one. Straight goal kick down from the um, from the goalkeeper Loach, but Shamanga is bang in form, and it was a clinical finish once yeah. he got one on one. He was he wasn't missing it. We all knew, everyone in the stadium knew it was going in before he hit it. And unfortunately, that just left him too much too much to do. Unfortunately, but I think they still competed well. They battled well. They had shots and and efforts to kind of pull the deficit back. But having said that as well, Chesterfield are a real big fish in this league. And um, we've touched it on a couple of times in the National League show, eh? They're go- they're mm. going to be right up there. Yeah. And, um, well, the so top... I don't think it was too wasn't too bad a defeat. I don't think mm. it's sort of in in the grander scheme of things. Good. Well, that's that's us for this week. I'm afraid we've run out of time. So uh, to all our <laughs> listeners, thank you for joining us. Sorry, it's been a bit of a a bit of a cock up here and there with phone calls interrupting us and goodness knows what. But there we go. That's that's radio, or that's community radio, I should say. So we've run out of time, so thank you very much to Hilda, to Rick, and myself, of course. Um, do hope you've enjoyed the show. Please join us next week and listen to all the programmes on the Sports Zone on Three Valleys Radio. So until next week, hope you enjoyed the show, and please don't forget to join us again next week. Until then, this is A.D. Hopper saying bye for now. We'll talk to you again then. You've been listening to Football Bloody Hell.